0: If you're ready to take action to create the life and business you want and be surrounded by courageous, like minded warriors, entrepreneurs, creatives, and professional freelancers supporting each other and feeling the fear and doing it anyway, I invite you to join my free online community, Momentum Warriors. Just head over to www.momentumwarriors.com now. You're listening to Transitions
1: Podcast. Learn how to make money doing what you love, become more confident, create a positive impact, and have the lifestyle that you want with marketing consultant and small business advisor, Anthony Chansamuth.
0: All right, hey warriors! Welcome to Transitions Podcast. This is Anthony Chansamuth, and inviting you to join me and my good buddy here, Chris. How do I say your name is Jonu? Jonu, no one gets it right, then. not Jonu, man. okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is Chris Jonu, who's the co-founder of Private Label Lab, which is an innovation house focused on the design, development, and delivery of private label food and beverage products and programs for major brands, retailers, food service suppliers across Asia Pacific. Um, now, this... just off, are you just reading that off the website, man? Nah, man. man this, I'd memorize <laughs> this shit, man. Come on. Now, I met Chris uh, a while ago in his role as founding director and general manager of Startup Grind Australia, New Zealand, and that's uh, through a series of events when I was working in marketing for Hub Australia. So, Chris, let's start. Let's start with actually even before that. Let's start with where did you like where did you grow up? You know, were you part of a family of entrepreneurs? Like, like I want to know when did you first realize, hey, maybe entrepreneurship was my thing?
1: Yeah, look, I did. I mean, my dad, an exceptional entrepreneur. Most of my High school years was move, moving around. He was he was a Kellogg's man, I guess. First and foremost, so I think about fifteen years, something like that. And in Kellogg's, you could only um, you could only get so high before they put you on this thing called uh, the circuit. So the circuit was time to start traveling. So as as a as a kid, we were we originally thought we were going to move to Germany and i remember like this is like you know i'm 12 or 13 coming home and learning learning german overnight thank god the first move was actually to lancaster pennsylvania and we moved to to the us and he he became like you know head of operations for the kellogg's lancaster plant and from there he kind of followed his boss around his boss left and went for the, to this to this other business in iowa and the family moved to iowa and then you know, back to Melbourne where he ran Berry Juice. So I grew up in Sydney, right? So each time was a move, but each time we, I saw this different level of success, right? Because he wasn't moving unless the pay was going up and the house was getting better. And so this was all from a kid who, um, you know, we we grew up in, in Dundas in, in Western Sydney. So it was ma- a major major, and the guy, you know, the guy was a hustler. Um so definitely got a lot of the entrepreneurial thing from him.
0: So uh, it sounds to me like dad was a breadwinner. What was mum doing at that time? Was he just like, really taking care of you guys? I,
1: I think like you know early on you know mum mum was a breadwinner, you know because dad was just so many years at university. I think he was a professional student there for a while mate. But yeah, I think he 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 was but it was you know engineering during the day and then school at night and and so she was always working. She was a teach taught fashion design in in sydney and then yeah eventually he he, yeah she was just taking care of the taking care of the family
0: full-time and how many siblings do you have in your family
1: i've got a younger brother and then a um younger sister
0: and have you all gone in the same direction or are they doing different things
1: so my brother works with me he's a pain in the ass And my sister, well, yeah, she's a full-time mother too now, but just getting back into work, working for a jewelry store, but also doing all their social media and stuff. So I think it's just her foot back in the door and trying to, you know, she had had like a degree in multimedia. So I think it's just her way of making a little bit of money and then building the portfolio up again. But, yeah, been out of the game for a little bit. So, yeah.
0: Oh, the reason I asked this question is I'm really, for me, I'm fascinated by obviously what we learn as kids, and how that impacts, you know, our growth. And, and, and then, you know, there's this, I was listening to Gary Vee yesterday. He had Tucker Max, this guy, another entrepreneur on his, on his show. And they were talking about this concept of there's an innate, call it a drive or a passion or a something within you that even as a child or a youth that maybe it's unconsciously that you connect to and you're not aware of. Yeah. But at some point you realize this is what I'm here to do. And there's no other. There's no other. Like there's no. You know, I feel a lot of people, particularly young people, and I went through that journey myself, get quite lost. Kind of like, oh, do I, you know, do I follow what everyone's telling me, and I become a doctor, and you know, and do legal or whatever, you know, those those industries are. But there's some point where, like, I've always felt I'm not good with authority. Like I. I Here we go. Yeah. You know. Right. So <laughs> yeah. so I. I know you can resonate with this. How do so you for me, that? Well, look, you know, look. <laughs> it's one that i'm putting out on the radio show for you and it's there is you know i'm seen as someone as a free spirit you know i i, I can hold a job and i have right i, I went through corporate for 10 years left started, started my own business that failed went back and, and worked for another company for a couple couple of years and here we are again going to this you know sojourn as an entrepreneur right
1: yeah but it's fucking boring right
0: yes yes Good. And right. then
1: you got you got all these projects that you work on, you put your heart and soul into, and then it's ultimately someone else that says, "We don't have the fucking budget for that."
0: <laughs> right? Absolutely, absolutely. So absolutely. yeah,
1: it's, it's bullshit. And um, yeah, I mean, it's that question. I think you hit it. It's like you know, I see Gary Vee one way, and then you got say Grant Cardone, and it's kind of this argument of whether are entrepreneurs born
0: or Bred, bread. yeah.
1: I don't know the answer to that, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just saw my dad hustling and it was almost like big shoes to fill. And then it was like, you know, I don't want to be this, that, you know, there's always that generation that falls flat or like mm. had it good or whatever. And um, so I, don't, I think I remember well enough my youth, you know, it was, wasn't always cushy that I'm I'm motivated, but there's always that not a motivation to be better than my dad. Maybe it is, who knows, subconscious level, but I just saw him hustling and I wanted to be, you know, I guess make him proud, make family proud and, and try and take it to the next level. Haven't got there yet, but that's the game of the game, you know what I mean?
0: So is there anything that during your childhood or, or t- particularly in the teenage years or even as an adult that your either your dad or your mom said to you that really stuck with you? A, you know, a piece of advice, something that, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I was always even just a cocky kid you know what i mean but that was yeah they instilled a lot of confidence and you can do whatever you want just gonna put your mind into i mean my dad's not a very creative guy i think he's very kind of analytical successful from being analytical but still without even knowing it i mean he would he'd always be like just visualize the basketball going through the net you know he had techniques that i don't think he even realized that he instilled in us and yeah and then i think even he's even his mom you know she'll be like my grandma would be like, we'd stay with her for the holidays or whatever and we'd be like, you're not sitting in here, get out there and you know, we've got these tomatoes selling out the front of the house, <laughs> right? And we'd be yelling at people, buy tomatoes. And I think you know, the neighbor would just buy it and tell us to sh- so we'd shut up. So yeah, I think the entrepreneurship thing was always there and encouraged.
0: What kind, of, what kind of student were you at school? I think I just
1: made do, right? I think in the US, I was a better student perhaps. And then by the second or third move, it was very much... Come to school, start a fight with someone, right? Stake, stake my claim. I I've done it too many times. Yeah, I don't know. It was really dependent on the teacher, I suppose, of how motivated I was. But you know. So
0: was there a, was there a particular standout teacher in the whole experience for you? Uh,
1: I liked arts, man. I liked the creative stuff. I I still consider myself a designer. You know, love I, it. Yeah, I, I even you know I think I so my 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 background was advanced diploma of graphic arts before I started my business degree. Which was multimedia business marketing.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's fascinating.
1: So I always kind of think approach stuff from a design perspective. Okay. Yeah. Business problems. Yeah.
0: That's really cool because I, that that leads me into when Startup Grind Australia New Zealand came into being for you. So what what was that opportunity? Why did you seize it? And and how did this design thinking apply to that?
1: Well, here you go. Because your bio was all about private labels. so here we go. I knew it was. I thought it was Startup Grind. So we'll talk about that but so Startup growing. how did it come the Bean was I had I don't know I had to be the my parents had a wedding anniversary that's what it was and it was a big deal we had everyone come into town they rented the this big ballroom in, in Brighton and um I was the host right
0: how how many years
1: and ago was, was this it was like man oh, uh, you know five six years ago six years yep. ago something like that and, and I was so I kind of Thought I was good at you know pitching at school and all that kind of stuff, and, and you know taking the lead on presentations and, and felt comfortable enough. But this was a thing where I was like, I'm going to nail this. It was a it was a big deal to me, and i prepared for it and stuff. And I had my little jokes lined up and
0: all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
1: and how many people were at this
0: uh, anniversary? You know, about 150. Oh, okay, cool. That's that for a lot and, of people. Still, still scary. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was for me. It was like my whole thing for the night. I wasn't going to drink, right? I, have to, I had to do this without like, you know, manufactured confidence, I suppose, right? Yeah. That was, I don't know. In my head, that's how I was doing it. Um, people still talk to me about how good I was at night, right? <laughs> but after that, it was like I was hooked. I just wanted to talk. I wanted to get up in front of people. So, and then everything falls in line, right? If, if you kind of want it to happen. So then there was a, I joined a couple of meetup groups. There was a woman named Lynn and she had this group called the Melbourne Business Internet Meetup Group and she moved to Sydney for love. I think it had about 400, 500 people in it. And she just asked the group who is going to take over. And I'm like, like, just like would have been within two months of, of, of me speaking at this thing, right. And just like being pumped about, I don't know, wanting to be famous or whatever it was. And then, um, So I just put my hand up and said, Look, let me, I I got a digital background. I can, I could do this all day. Let me, let me take over. And she handed it to me. And I was just like, I I had this vision of how I wanted to change the group and I was going to charge for it day one. I didn't care who dropped off, but I I needed to build value in it. And I started doing these presentations. It was all like, you know, how you do digital marketing or I interviewed Pat Flynn from um, SBI. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, On Skype and charged people to come watch me interview him. That's cool. And then, um, that's smart. I like it. Yeah, and then, um, and then um, I just saw Startup Grind and TechCrunch or whatever they weren't in Australia at the, same, at the time and pitched them on it. And I was like, I want to be part of this thing. I knew if you wanted to have a, a decent, if you wanted to be a credible startup meetup group, you had to have some tighter of Silicon Valley. It was just so clear that that was going to win it,
0: right? And then So, were you? Let's clarify for the audience here. So, were you already doing? Were you working for someone at the time? Were you? Did you had already operating under a business? What was going on for you at the time?
1: Yeah, at the time I was probably had a. It was just after I came back to Melbourne. I was in Sydney for a while, you know, drinking and carry on. As and, you do, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very early with a with a property after with my first corporate job, and I sold that. And I was just kind of. Um, Living off that while I was had this digital agency that had you know one client or something (laughs) (laughs) one one big one or two big clients that was like you know I just wouldn't didn't do shit wasn't really motivated didn't really didn't really quite get it right Mm -hmm. you know that that should have gone into another property whatever so I was just doing my thing live live, you know you're 20 whatever right so come back to Melbourne and started a company with my dad and that was a private label lab he's not 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 a healthy his health was declining. He Was working for SPC at the time, um, you know, baked beans and spaghetti, and he was sick of driving to Sheppard and twice a week because they got a big plan up there, and he, he was thinking about going business by himself, yeah. So, i um, long, this is what all that's going on at the same time. So, I'm like, come back to Melbourne. I had this opportunity to start a company with my dad. The First customer was going to be SPC, so he was going to leave. One of the guys that, you know, worked with him said, you know, if you get this product for me, which was these tomatoes in the pouches, everyone was in a can, mm-hmm. right? And cans in a restaurant, they stack up. Like if these big pizza shops, man, they just got like, like 20, 30 cans stocked up in the corner filling their bins and like just a real pain in the ass. People cut their hands on them. And the Americans had these pouches. So there was a first product. It came to the point where they were going to order, but it meant, you know, my dad put in pretty much his life savings on line. Right. And he's like, um, I can't do it. And I'm like, Well, you're being a pussy. Let, let's fucking do it, right? And that's really how the conversation went. And then we did it. And that, that's how that business was born. So back to the meetup was. So I got that. I got this starting this food and beverage business. Didn't really have anything in tech, but we had a decent customer. And because it was private label, I could at least do design and stuff. That that was my thinking. Plus, it was a way to work with my dad and just be an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Not answer to anyone. And so the meetup group, yeah, we. So we had this meetup group. I busted my ass preparing these presentations and stuff. Then I saw a star Tech on TechCrunch and pitched them because I like the format. I like the, the, which is just interviewing people like this. I don't have to prepare anything, right? To this day, I think some, most nights I'm reading the bio on the night, right? Mm -hmm. People think, but you know, you just get good at interviewing. You don't need to, I don't think you need to prepare, right? Well, I, I haven't you just because you need to be able to steer them and it's, it has to be fluid yeah
0: you want to be present
1: yeah so i pitched him said look I'll, I'll change my whole entire group i've got 500 or whatever in the database at the time i want to make a big startup in melbourne wasn't powered by google for entrepreneurs at the time and um just but knew knew it was gonna be big sydney came online the same month and that was you know this guy Arch who was like director of operations for uber and this guy Adam, who was a big, big in the fashion up there, big blogger, you know, kind of world renowned kind of guy, too. Like he'd get press passes to New York fashion shows and all that kind of stuff and trips paid for. So they were the two guys in Sydney. And I was this guy, like the, you know, the lone soldier in, in Melbourne. And I just outstayed him, I guess, you know. And <laughs> yeah, Adelaide came on and, and, and we just kept going, kept growing. And not until recently, we put Brisbane on. Auckland had a couple of changes. Sydney's gone through a couple of changes. And yeah, it's all, I guess, it's staying power and hustling.
0: All right. Let, let, let's contextualize this for people who don't yeah. know what Startup Grind is. So, how would you describe Startup Grind?
1: Startup Grind is this fireside chat that takes place in 200 cities around the world every month, powered by Google for Entrepreneurs globally, with headquarters in Silicon Valley. And it really is about showcasing the best founders from the local city. That's the idea. Like I'm not going to knock back the founder of Zendesk when he's in town. But nine times out of 10, we want to promote local heroes to the world. And how we do that is, you know, everything's filmed, goes on the global YouTube channel. And if it's really good content, they put on the podcast, so on and so forth. But it is really about hustle, right? It's like I am a hustler. So I'm I'm continually, I call it monkey bars. That's what I call the the strategy, but I'm using one guy to get to the next bigger person right Mm -hmm. and it's the same way i'm going to do this podcast and then um and you know promise a lot of things along the way but deliver them and yeah the the success stories are really the people that are in those cities because you know we've launched in cities and it just falls flat because it's just the wrong person or the person doesn't want to hustle so yeah that's it man i'm rambling on no
0: I, i i appreciate it because i think there's something here um so Specifically around building this community, because to me, you know, you're doing, you know, something like eight thousand plus entrepreneurs a month, right? That, at least that's that's the membership base. I don't know those numbers. There, there might be more than that now. But I'm I'm curious about that first start, first meetup that you had, right? As Startup Grind. Um,
1: first meetup, yeah, for Melbourne was again. It was just Startup Grind. We're empowered by Google for Entrepreneurs, but we did use that Silicon Valley brand. And I think the first one was. I literally Googled best startups in Melbourne or something like that, right? And
0: you just found who – do you remember who the speaker was?
1: Yeah, the first one was this guy. I don't know if the business is still there. Brent. Brent. Brett, Brett, something. Yeah. He was giving software to all these takeaway restaurants around Australia to kind of give them the marketing tools that a domino or, or whatever it would have. They, they did a lot of pizza chains. Oh, so, so forget that one. Right? The second one was a bit more exciting was CEO of Zero.
0: There you go. Okay.
1: So very early on. So
0: were you? You were the one man team at this point, or did you have someone with you? I was the one
1: man team. I went to I was at York Barter Factory first one. Yep. I, I paid rent to get the space. So they had like a one day or a two day thing. I was no one special. I was just another guy at the co-working space and had to pay the rent and all that kind of stuff. So I paid the rent just to get the you know for the one two day whatever the minimum was just to get the event space once a week. Yep. And then I drag the chairs around and order the pizzas, and you know I had like 15, 20 people at the first startup grind, and that was based off you know this database that I had was six hundred or whatever. But you know it's so whoever's interested in the particular speaker, I guess. And then um, so this is Chris. Chris Reed. zero. I just knew zero was going to be massive. This is like five years mm-hmm. ago now, and I think the strategy was originally was there's no money in events. It's all in sponsorship, right? I think of tickets is just gravy. You can't count on a ticket sale. So I knew the money was in sponsorship, so I just looked around and said, who's sponsoring startup events in Melbourne? And it was zero. So I just knew if I get that going go on stage and I'll be able to get some cash out of them. Sorry, Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, let's talk about financial here. What are we talking about in terms of sponsorship? Is it like a couple hundred bucks or what's this? And this, is, this is this covering also your salary?
1: I don't have a salary in it. It's really like I've been enough to pull six figures out of it. I was thinking about writing a book on that. Six figures from Meetup. It's a good one, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: it's a great one. I want to read that book.
1: But it's really like, yeah, all sponsorship, all leveraging, startup growing brand, emails to database, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no wage. This is still a hobby for me. And I think it's more of a charity than than an income given the amount of hours I put in it, right? But it is um yeah, building that database. And then I, what I did was um, I'm giving my book away here too, but, right, mate? Uh, this,
0: I'm sure there's a million yeah. more details here that you're not. That's not yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but,
1: but for me it was all brand, yeah. right? So like, how can I how can I team myself with a brand that'll help promote me? So I would have given zero. I think I got 200 bucks out of him a month for the pizza. Yeah, yeah. did the same thing with Zendesk, but I would have gladly done absolutely. Just put them on the logo for free, right? I want their logo on my website. So I just put this arbitrary number that's small that they don't really care about. It's just right off for their marketing expenses or whatever. But it was massive for me brand building. Then I go to the next one and say it's 400 bucks. Now it's 1500 bucks an event.
0: So you didn't have a exclusivity agreement or you didn't lock in, hey, Zero, you've got us for the next 12 months of events. We, we
1: do. We do. So it gets cheaper if you lock it in. Right. And, you know, we've done that before. We said, oh, Zero Intuit's very interested in sponsoring us right now,
0: right? Yeah, because you've got the numbers.
1: Yeah. yeah but and, it's all, the cred. Most, most of it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't tell yeah. that to your sponsors. Uh, no,
1: no, it's all out now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I, I, I I usually, that's another technique. I like to create this fictional competition. Well,
0: isn't that what, who did that? I think Instagram did that when they did the yeah. the, 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 the Facebook versus who was the competitor. Yeah. basically the same thing. We're we're speaking to two vendors, and this is the bid, and it became a bidding war.
1: Only there's no second bidder. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean that's just clever. That's just smart business. And you just you just you're just looking at the motivation of the other people. That's what I do. Right? All right,
0: let's break that down for for the listeners here because a lot of them are in a, are in creative world. So for a lot of them are you know designers, just like yourself, which I'm great that that you are. You've got that background because they can relate to you now. Yeah. So when they're starting out and they're building a business or they're building an agency, right? Yeah. Something that, that, that you've definitely got, this is this really strong ability to negotiate and pitch. So what would be your your advice when it comes down to if you're looking for funding, Okay. Uh, And I'm sure you've had a stack of entrepreneurs, you know, and probably some investors too who've come on as guests at Startup Grind. What are the key lessons here for someone when it comes to pitching for funding or sponsorship in in your case? What have you learned about that and what works and what doesn't work?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's first of all, is you got to have that credibility, I suppose. So, the fastest way to build credibility is to team yourself up with someone that has credibility. That's what I think, right? So if I was going to do it all again, and that's why Zero or Zendesk, they think they're me $200 worth of pizza, but they've just given me $100,000 in brain equity. You know what I mean? Whatever. It's like team up with someone that has a better brand than you that helps you take you where you want to go. Understand what their motivations are for pitching, you know, helping you. And even that's whether it's just pleading with them to like, this will be a big, big, like, you know, uh, what's it? Nathan Chan pitching Richard Branson on the, you know, the first big interview he had saying, this will be a big deal for me. Mm. Right?
0: Is it, is it. It, wait a minute, so is it a big deal for me or is it a big deal for you?
1: You obviously want to try and in the early stage, 500 members, they don't give a shit. Mm. So short of short of that, it comes down to begging and pleading, you know what I mean? It's like short of like when you have leverage, then you got leverage, right? When you can say like, I've got this database, I'm going to help you, this is how I can help you. But when you don't have the help, it's just like I, th- I think it's really a pitch about your vision. So
0: what was the vision that you of... gave Zero at the beginning?
1: We're going to be the biggest startup community in Australia. We're big in Silicon Valley. We're going everywhere So you
0: leveraged startup grind's reputation offshore and then you brought that in, smart move. Okay, cool.
1: So on top of that, you're just saying, look, we're going to have access to more and more startups. We're going to give you more customers.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a good fit for your brand. Here's the reasons why. So
0: the the interim step here is you worked out there was a market that this company was looking for and you were being the bridge.
1: They were already in it. Hmm. Their whole program was zero for startups, whatever it was. So you go, we've got startups coming to this event. It's only going to get bigger to support us in this small, small token of paying for our pizzas. <laughs> right? But you've got Zero's brand on there. From there, so you got one big brand that you would actually give away for absolutely nothing. You're working for them. Yep. You'll do whatever it takes to put their brand next to your brand. Then i use that brand to get Zendesk. Simple, right? It's simple,
0: but a lot of people don't do it, as you know.
1: Well, that's so you go, all right. Zendesk, we've got zero on. We really want another partner. Here's why they liked it. Here's why it's good for you. Whatever. Then you got Zendesk, probably around the same kind of money. And then it was the next one. Only the prices doubled because they have no idea what zero. This big company called zero, yeah. big company Zendesk paid for that sponsorship. So whatever you tell them makes gonna make sense. Now, what
0: are you when you when you say you double the prices? That's are you doubling the quantity of pizza. What's what's going on here? What's what's actually no what's no that?
1: no. The first two are about covering costs, like right? Yeah. The next one's
0: is profit. Okay, there you go. And then that's profit, because you say it's still for you. It's a volunteer effort. So is that profit being reinvested into startup grind?
1: Well, it's it's going in your pocket. Yeah. Or it's going. You know, realistically, it's about making the event better. Yeah. At the moment, I'm not really that focused on sponsors. You know, like we've got we've got some big ones in play that were for a year, and just just making sure that they're taken care of. But I've got so much shit on. I don't have time to, um, you know. sponsorship's is really like fundraising, right? You're out there hustling. The guys that get it understand it's not a ROI, an immediate return on investment kind of thing. Like if you're in sponsoring events and you're just like, I thought you are going to email out my discount code and I didn't get my money back for the sponsorship, then you're an idiot. You don't get it. You know, events are all about grassroots marketing. Mm. And, you know, I was saying to this to the guys who were yesterday, I'm like, why does NAB love this? You know, because NAB, like so the Bank's one of our big partners. They get it because they're at the event. Right. You have to be at the event. So it's like, oh, they're the bank for startups. Is this logo on the website? No, there's the guy from e commerce transactions over there. He'll help you. You know how powerful that you is?
0: You got to be in the room. That's it. Show up. Got to show up. All right. So now let's let's shift over from sponsorship to partnerships. Okay. So, Private Label Lab, uh, uh, is, uh, you know, tell me about that business. Um, it's you and your dad. It's. Is this, is this your core, is this your primary? Is this your, your income earner, this is where, where it's at? Because you're saying you're juggling a few things going on here. So where are you right now? You've got so many things going on. What are you talking about?
1: So private label is this concept where we create brands and build brands for other brands or retailers. So they either have their brand, like a Woolworth Select, and they're looking for a new product, and you've got a million guys pitching that, right? Or you have Coca Cola. You found this really great product in the US, and you think it's a good fit for Coca Cola. And you go and pitch Coca Cola and say, "What do you think of this?" Right? Coca Cola is probably not a good example because they're just, you know, they're all pretty high and mighty. Yeah. But that kind of, you know, then they have their own marketing team and their own sourcing team. But basically, we create brands for other people, mm-hmm. and then they're the ones that have decent brands, and then they're responsible because it's got their brand on it they're going to do a good job of marketing and making sure it sells and we're just doing the supply and sometimes we do the art and more and more now we're doing looking at social media and and helping them decommoditize brands or extend brands or create brands that don't look like private label so for years private label was like home brand yeah. so the cheap shit you could get on the shelf yeah. then they slowly introduced like a middle tier like a war select or a coles you love coles or and then you got guys like tesco in the uk where they're like our brand is going to be better than the branded place. Yeah. and our, Audi is another one. They have really strict specs. They do, you know, they, they want really great quality products that are as good as the market leader, if not better, at a,
0: at a uh, lower price point.
1: Well, and then they, they, their whole thing's private label. Everything in the store is designed to look like the market leader, mm-hmm. right? But it's got another name on it.
0: Yeah.
1: So they're they're the kind of the kings of private label. What we try to do is more and more of creating these brands for customers that have their own personality that look premium. Love it. So if you go into a store, you'll know which one's private label, right? You, just, you see it in every category. And our intention is to try and make something cool specific for that demographic marketing that supports it. the people just think this is a cool new brand to market and they'll pay money for it. If you got that story, you can do it. So what? And what what probably is, what? Why not? Why, why can't? Why can't they do? Yeah, that? no, it's...
0: it's a good model. I, I, I guess the question here is, what makes a good brand, or what makes a brand stand out? Because you've got everyone. You've got a lot of people, a lot of businesses. You know, whether it's startup or whatever. Uh, you've got big brands doing rebrands, right? You've got, from your perspective, helping these businesses. You know, do this. What, what what's the gap why do they come to you are they lacking intel did they don't understand branding or marketing what's what's the challenge for them what's the frustration and then you know how do you work with that
1: so they've got this brand that maybe they were the first to market with that they're not doing much marketing for and now there's other competitors and slowly it's become a commodity one thing or so they want to reinvigorate it and how do they do that and how do they you know breathe life into it and make it You know, differentiate it. Then you got like, we got this cool brand. Where do you think it can stretch to? Can it go from coconut water to green tea to superfoods? You know? Mm. So we go, we kind of understand what the brand is. We understand what market trends are happening in the US, UK, whatever. Nine times out of 10, we find something that's like, every time I'm in the US, I'm walking through supermarkets looking for something that's cool and go, all right. And then nine times out of 10, it is just changing the label. That's how simple it is. To create something that's innovative, right? Yeah, and you don't want to change it too much because if it's working well over there, our market's similar enough that it should work here. So, looking at range extensions, looking at taking advantage of um, a market that is working well that they're not currently in, reinvigorating brands, all that kind of thing. And then it's innovation in food and beverage is usually very it's just small, right? right? But it's enough to have a big difference. And that's only for the for the simple fact that like you can't change the bottle too much. You can't change the cap too much because then they can't put it through the fucking factory, right? <laughs> it's that, it's like that we'd love to have all these quirky products in there, but they can't manufacture them cheaply enough. So people will just want the one that's next to it that's kinda cool, um, but it's half the price. Mm. So you'll see a lot of innovation is really just repackaging or redesigning it, you know. So how we, much so of that
0: it, is user testing before it goes to market?
1: I think that focus groups for the most part yeah. are kind of bullshit, right? They're bullshit. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know, middle-aged women trying to get an extra income or like I don't know where they find some of these people, right? But I don't think it has to be when we're trying to do this stuff, we're looking at it objectively, you know? So it's who's the coconut water consumer? Oh, well, it's 51% female. It's 49% men. So it's slightly skewed to women. They're in this particular age. They're high consumers of you know, social media. That's who you have to run your test with. You know what I mean? So how do you then, I guess at the end of the day, I'm trying to implement these kind of lean startup principles into um, into food and beverage. Yeah,
0: business, yeah. Really. I see that. I
1: see that. We're doing, we're doing A-B split tests. This is blowing these guys' mind. We just like ran an A-B split test on a brand. Do you prefer this brand or that brand? And and ha- have it as a Twitter poll for twenty four hours. And they just they just like what the hell? This is great, you know. Nobody's thought about that because just someone in marketing has the, the 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 greatest opinion and it's it's more trustworthy than everyone else in the team, whatever. And it has to look like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all lot of this gut instinct stuff, and everyone does that. Everyone has their own opinion on design, right? It's a, it's a bit of a prick of a business to be in, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no one tells the plumber how they think they should fix a toilet. But everyone wants to tell the designer how to design.
0: Such a true statement, right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so your take on that is: well, don't tell us. Let the consumers tell us. Let the market tell us. That's
1: what we're getting more and more to. Yeah. It's like, yep, we prefer this brand. We we love we're in love with our brand here. You like that one? Let's test it. We're not going to be precious about it. So then, how do you create that test? And um, so, we're talking with a customer yesterday. We said that you know we're kind of at, at this point right now. Where you know someone from marketing likes this design, the category manager likes this one, you know the purchasing guy likes this one, and we like this one, and each has a different story. We could probably, probably narrow it down to two. Is it possible to use 50 stores for this brand and 50 stores for that brand and see which one sells more? So that's like A/B split testing on a new level, right? But that's nothing's going to quite, nothing's going to prove it like that mm. because you put you put two images side by side. And you know, people go, "Oh, that looks better," but they're looking at it in isolation. They're not looking at a the cola that has a black label or a red label sitting next to a Coke Cola on shelf with a red label next to yeah. Coke Zero with black label. It all becomes um, nothing's going to say it like how it sits on shelf and how it sells.
0: So you want to try? You want to try and I guess create or manufacture the the environment as close as possible to what the real thing will be. Yeah, exactly. Because That's it. the only way you're going to get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's lean startup stuff, though, yeah. right? It's like ultimately, like it's not about who picked the, the design; it's who pays for it the most. You know, who's going to pay for which one, and then that's the winner. And that's that's
0: a great question because that's a question that I ask a lot of the creatives that I work with. It's kind of like you know, yes, you like this and you want to design things this way or create things this way, but who's the buyer? Yeah. And the deeper question here is, who's the buyer that's going to pay the most? Uh, yeah. because that's that's the ideal. That's the target you're going for. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Now you've got this thing, yeah. we're gonna sort of divert a little bit here, but you've got this project called Dream Pushers. Yeah, right.
1: So Dream Pushes was just it's just like I love the brand, I love what I'm doing with it, but it's just gonna take a back seat, it's just gonna be my podcast. So I'm gonna be pushing my own personal brand and this startup Melbourne Dream Push is gonna be this podcast and i Kind of distribute it that way. I can't. It's it's this thing for me where I got so much shit going on that I have to like I don't know how to evaluate them. Sometimes and sometimes I'm spending too much time on stuff that doesn't make any money. Yeah. Right. So before having kids, you have that luxury, right? Uh, Now I'm very much like I only got so many hours in the day. I'm already working. You know, to two a.m. on whatever. You can only pick so many things. So that, i think that's the problem like i imagine you got the same problem as me but my mind just goes a mile, thousand miles an hour <laughs> because i'm creative and an entrepreneur and i can always see an opportunity in everything right
0: yes that that's our curse
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so then you decide you just kind of you run in with this thing and then there's a shiny new thing over there so um yeah it is it is a curse so for me you know i've heard one 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 of my mentors is like what he does is he kind of puts it in the shelf, and he has this thing where he's got to sit on it for three weeks. If he's still excited about it in three weeks, then he'll go for it. I I, I haven't heard many, you know, ways to like. to to fix this problem, right? Which is only fueled by all the caffeine I drink all day, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But for me, it's like, all right, trying to focus on two things. Dream Push is just going to become a podcast. I can't let that brand die because, I don't know, it's just what's tattooed on my arm for one thing. But it's going to take a backseat because it's just too much money to be made with the food and beverage at the moment and just trying to get down to the essence of what I love to do and then just going, taking the company that makes the money, like private label, how do I shift it in that direction so I'm doing more of what I love to do. Yeah. And that that's where we're starting to pitch more clients on. We'll do the social media and we'll do like the social media for me is like Instagram, for example, it's graphics. It's just graphic design and consistency. And and you get a little bit of you know bite-sized bit of content. So that kind of fills my appetite for all the creative stuff. And then we're digging into our own brands. I have the um, – so private label is good, but I'm always building it for someone else. And they've got a margin in it. Sometimes they're selling it. Someone else has got a margin in it. So we're kind of dabbling in launching a couple of our own brands. One's a nutrition label called Clean Stack, which I'm super pumped about. All vegan, mm. um, natural protein, you know, immunity blends, and all that kind of stuff that we're that we're launching. And the second brand is Death Row Records tequila. tequila.
0: <laughs> Wait, is yeah. Death Row still around? Yeah, we've got a license for it. Oh my it. gosh, that, that's 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 crazy. Yeah, so we're
1: pumped about that. It took me 20 years to get on death row, when I'm on death row, man. I was, I was gonna
0: say, <laughs> man, you 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 you've got this. There's definitely an the entertainment side of you because you were doing stuff. I remember when you uh, one of your trips to the states, and you're like talking to I don't know, maybe it was Bieber or some I don't know. You've you, you just got some really
1: crazy ideas. Yeah, yeah. Try to keep that though. It Keeps you like you know. It's uh. uh so I interviewed Susan Patel not too long ago. He's like, I think I'm still in that phase. He he calls it. I'm just <laughs> that couple of years where I'm throwing shit at the wall. Yeah, but. I think I'm kind of consolidating into food and beverage products. So I'm getting creative, but it's a tequila, so it's beverage, right? So we're playing with a couple of our own brands and then just mainly working on brands for other customers. But I like the idea of, you know, with that, it's direct-to-consumer. We make more money and it's kind of really a brand, you know, this diesel. It's a slow burn, right? It's all about just um, consistent social media and and just just slow brand building right but i got the time and it's something that that i'm i'm happy to, to do every day and then try and drop all the shit that doesn't make any money or doesn't doesn't make sense anymore right yeah i
0: think i think the key for you certainly this year is getting clear on you know what are those paths and and where do you allocate your time you're also a parent you know you also got to take care of your health i mean that's something i'm looking at for myself you know well that, that, that that's
1: that's another thing with the clean stack right yeah it's, uh, how can I not? Like, I know I'm not a healthy guy, and it's you know, going like I put on a bit of weight now, I was tr- not training, not training as often as I should. I'm up in the middle of the night with the kids, you know, it's all bullshit, it's excuses. You know, you can still get to the gym, you still, but if I'm focused on a um, marketing and organic nutrition range, you know, in my spare time, you're moving the excuse. Well, yeah, I'm start to focus on like yep. you know, importance of health. I'm blogging about health. I'm doing social media on why you know hemp protein just you know is better than whey for your body, and you just so you can choose to start steering your projects to 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 the to the life you want. If I'm saying that right, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: I uh, think that's a big part of of why I'm creating. The podcast and why I do things that way because it's there is a point where you realize yeah I can spend the rest of my life working for someone else and building someone else's dream you know or or whatever it may be but how does that affect your own life and you only got the way I see it you've only got one shot because I I don't I don't know if re- reincarnation exists <laughs> um, no
1: nah, and I don't want to do we want some dog <laughs> there
0: <you or> <laughs> Eating, eating vegan dog food that your company in your past life created. <laughs>
1: that's true. I don't want that. No, that's it, man. One shot. Yeah, life's too short to be miserable. Uh, that's for
0: sure. I love it. All right, so we're gonna wrap up. Uh, I I could continue talking forever. With you, I think you you're definitely someone that I appreciate and value because of your hustle, because of you know uh, just how you show up, and and you've got this something this something that you uh, Thanks, for you, bro. I think for you it's like you've got these balls. It's just like ah. Uh, I can get in front of, of anybody, <laughs> you know. So where does that come from? Like, or How do you, for someone listening to this who's maybe an introvert or maybe just scared of doing that pitch, to, you know, to get the 10000 or 20000 or million dollar client or partner or sponsorship deal, where did that come from and how do you cultivate that? I think that for
1: me, if I try and pinpoint it, I think it's from living in the US. And, you know, we've got this kind of bullshit tall poppy syndrome thing going on, right? Which is absolute garbage because we're like, you're in the best city in the in the, be, in the in the best place in the world right now like you should be cocky, mm-hmm. right you know it's kind of this bullshit thing where Australia we root for the underdog and then when you get too high we want to chop you down yeah it's so bizarre right so i think it's really just embracing that thing like that american mentality where it's like not afraid to celebrate success right I, uh, so i guess that's where it is and so it's like do you have a ritual
0: around that is there is there do you is there something that you do? I think,
1: I think it just breeds like yeah. success. Breeds success, right? It's like, yeah, I think it's like as I if I could try and articulate it, I think the best way of doing it is like, you know, I don't know if you listen to Grant Cardone, love that guy, right? Mm. But uh, it's an obligation. I like his way of putting it. It's my obligation and duty to be successful. And it's not just for me personally. I got a, I got a family. For me it's family, right? Yeah. And that's that's from my from my dad too. It was always family first. If we were having a conversation, he'd turn the radio off to to be 100 percent there and talk to me. And before moving to the US, he sat us down as a family and said, "Are we are we all in this together?" And we're like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it." Mm. So, and that's another reason why I'm trying to consolidate stuff because like take you got to take the try and take the ego out and just do what's best for your family. But you know, I don't want mediocre success for my family. I want my you know I want. My daughter get a, my daughter's to get a private school and have a great life and get to travel and all that kind of stuff. So, I guess when you think of success as an obligation, it starts to change your perspective on it. And then also, I would say I'm genuinely, and this is a startup right thing, trying to help people. Yeah. If you are out there and just like it looks like hustle, but I'm just out there trying to help people, connect people, and then all the rest is just come coming back, I guess. Short of that, just fucking man up and don't be a little bitch. <laughs> Maybe that's a tagline of your book, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get out there. What do you got? You got nothing to lose. Like that, no one like you know. Starbuck friend I was saying this the other day. He's like, if any, I've learned anything. All the people on stage, billionaires, whatever, they're no smarter than you, mm. right? So it's just. Hustle, consistency, and staying power, I reckon.
0: Love it. All right. Okay, man. I I definitely, time's up for us. I love everything you've said. I think you're just real. And that's why I wanted you on the show because it's about being authentic. And I mean, that word's being thrown around like crazy right now. Um, Yeah. But I, 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 you know, I love that you are going down the path of writing or publishing something and putting that out into the world. I think you've got a lot to share. and, And I look forward to joining you on your podcast at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. I feel pumped, man. I'm gonna run for like 50 meters. Let's
0: do it. I love it. Okay, next <laughs> time I'm in Melbourne, yeah, we'll go for a run That's together. <laughs> 50 <laughs> meters, mate. I can do 50 meters. So, all right. So, where where's the best place for people to connect with you?
1: So, if you want to get a get your own vodka line started or a custom product, and you've got a lot of money, and I want to talk to you. If you don't have any money, see it's a private label lab. And then, um, if you're interested in, you know, getting. You know, learning how to be an entrepreneur, leave that corporate job, or just connect with other entrepreneurs and just be inspired. And that's startup growing. That's affordable stuff. The, you know, private label is just that, you know, we say bring a lot of money because it's just there's limitations from manufacturers and stuff. But um startup growing, come check us out. Come meet some cool people if you're in Melbourne, Sydney, wherever you are, and that's about it, man.
0: Thanks for tuning in, Warrior. If you would like to stay in touch with Chris and connect with him and see what's going on, just head on over to the show notes, which is at transitionspodcast.com forward slash zero i I'll say that again. It's www.transitionspodcast.com forward slash zero one one, And there you can access uh, a summary and the keynotes from this particular episode and connect with Chris if you'd like to. Uh, I'd also like to encourage you to head over to iTunes and leave a review and some comments if you did get some value from the show. And that way we can you know get more people and visibility to more entrepreneurs, creatives and change makers and really spread the word uh, and share these stories. I really appreciate you for listening to the podcast and I wish you all the best. As always, live confidently and passionately And I'll see you on the next episode. Cheers, mate.